This is Friends and Benefits, a podcast hosted by Reward Strategy, and you may have guessed it, they're Friends and Benefits. Stay tuned to find out what's hot, what's not, and what's happening in the world of pay and reward. Hello, everyone, and once again, thank you for joining me, Jade Burke, Deputy Editor of Reward Strategy, for this next installment of the Friends in Benefits podcast. Now, I'm excited to say that joining me today is Michelle Parchuk, the VP for People, Culture and Organisation at Avon. Now, I'm sure everyone here will know it's recognised for its cosmetics from lipsticks, fragrances, skincare and, of course, nail varnishes. And the company is now known for being more than just a beauty brand, but a business that hopes to transform women's lives for the better, which we're going to hear more about very, very soon. And it's great to have you with us, Michelle. How are you doing today? Thank you. Great. Thank you. And it's an honour to join you today, Jade. Thank you. Fab. Thank you so much. And I thought actually it'd be quite nice to kick off with just to ask you, I guess, what your Never Fail beauty product is. Oh, right. Well, my very favourite beauty product is actually the um, Moroccan argan oil for my hair, which is, uh, everyone is very strong in the hair products. Brilliant. Yeah, I've heard they're great ones. The, The argan oil is really good for your hair. So that sounds great. And um, I guess moving on then to get a bit more into the nitty gritty of our podcast. So I wanted to ask you how you came to work in the HR space. So interestingly, Jade, I did microbiology at university and I thought I was going to be a scientist. Um, However, having graduated and spent my first summer working in a laboratory on my own, um, I realized that kind of work wasn't for me. And I got much more interested in the leadership and people aspect of working in business. So at that point, I targeted my search to the HR function, and I was successful in joining Ford Motor Company's graduate scheme, which was my first job, uh, based down in uh, Dagenham, the car plant. Brilliant. So quite a turn then for you. Yeah, exactly. I think sometimes by realising what you don't want to do, um, it can really, really help you realise what what it is, where your passions lie, and um, that uh, I had got the the wrong ambition for where I wanted my career to be, which actually was was all about leadership and with people, which was lots I was doing in my out-of-work activities, running the ladies' football team, doing a lot of teaching work at the university, but hadn't really realised that actually there were some transferable skills there that was really where it would play to my strengths for my career. Brilliant. That sounds fantastic. And then obviously you, you're, you're Avon now. You've been here for quite some time. So how did it, I guess, how did you end up here? So it was the purpose that drew me to Avon. I was ready to take that next stage in my career for being the country lead for an organisation. Love FMCG, having worked in PepsiCo, loving consumer goods. Um, But it was definitely Avon's transforming uh, women's lives and the work that we do in charity that really, really attracted me to Avon. It's um, the authentic heritage of purpose in our in Avon is just right through the DNA of our business. And it really spoke to me, the work that Avon does uh, supporting women's causes in breast cancer and domestic violence. And also that the core proposition and business model is actually founded on women's empowerment. So David McConnell set up this business 135 years ago. He was an entrepreneur in America selling books um, um, actually, he realized that he'd got uh, an incentive for extra perfume uh, samples if people bought enough books. But of course, people were far more interested in the perfume samples than they were in the books. And so he set up his team of entrepreneurial women to sell perfume in, in America and the business started. And that was actually 135 years ago before women even had the vote. 
Um, so that's the kind of heritage of the business really, really attracted me. Oh, amazing. And it's quite interesting you say that in terms of the purpose side of things, because that's really growing quite a lot, I think. And especially as we come out of the pandemic, it seems to be quite an important factor, especially for job seekers and, and people looking to, to change their role. Totally agree. It feels like it's um, an expectation that companies truly have authentic purpose versus something that maybe used to be an additional project or an additional conversation. I think people have expectations that they want to work for a business that truly has purpose at its core and it's not an optional extra anymore. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's so true. And um, I guess just reverting back to Avon quickly, I mean, how, how long have you been at the business? Has it been quite some time now? I've actually been here 10 years next month at the start of December, um, but it's been quite a ride and there's been so much change and transformation um, during that time, which has kept me there so long. Definitely. Keeps you on your toes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It feels like I've been uh, joining different businesses and obviously with um, Avon back in 2020, we were acquired as part of the Natura and Co group. So now working alongside sister brands, The Body Shop. Uh, Natura and Aesop, the skincare brand, that's really energised um, the journey and given me some much more breadth and interest for my career working as part of the broader group now, which has really been a positive change. Brilliant. And you mentioned just now that you have worked previously at PepsiCo and for those sorts of brands. So I just kind of get your thoughts on, I guess, how does the how does your role compare between both of those? Is it quite similar um, or is it, you know, completely different? Yeah, I mean, companies like uh, Ford and PepsiCo gave me such wonderful grounding in HR best practice and how you can really drive people's solutions in a large scale global business. And I kind of grew up in those businesses. And what I would say now is very different within Avon is because I'm leading the function. So I'm looking across culture, reward, uh, HR systems, talent and development, engagement, as well as org design and making sure the organization is effective. I have much more breadth now in this particular position that um, I've got to, and also the global diversity. If you sit in a role that covers uh, the global organization, I love the global diversity that this role brings. So that, that feels different to some of the roles I was doing previously at Pepsi and Ford. I mean, on my team, I have members of my team based in the Philippines, China, Russia, South Africa, and it just adds such a richness to the solutions and how we can kind of join together as a a global leadership team. Fantastic. Yeah. So it's quite, I guess, quite varied then in that sense. Yes, absolutely. I know two days are ever ever the same, such a broad uh, range of challenges. And then also, obviously, the external context is so challenging at the moment. So um, yeah, it certainly keeps me on my toes, as you say. Yeah, brilliant. So I know, obviously, we've spoken about the purpose in terms of, of Avon. And it seems like like female representation and supporting women in the workplace is intrinsically involved in that. So I just wanted to find out how critical champion female representation is for you within the business. I mean, it's absolutely critical. So, you know, getting female representation at our most senior levels is essential for us as a business. And we've set targets to have 50% representation at the senior leadership of the company. And we're we're already actually at 49% within Avon. And that's not just about statistics. That's because we obviously think that the um, diversity of leadership and the kind of solutions that we can come up with when we've got a truly inclusive culture 
at the top of the organization gives us stronger commercial uh, results and benefits to the business. So yeah, super important for us as our business and particularly because our brand, it's more than just a beauty brand, it actually stands for women's empowerment. So women's economic empowerment are hardwired into our business. So we really need to demonstrate that internally as well as the proposition that we give to representatives. So when you buy from a, an Avon lady and you buy the uh, an Avon representative and you buy our products and treat yourself to lipstick, makeup, you're also kind of creating and contributing to their financial empowerment as well. So it's right at the heart of our business and we have to represent in all that we do to have diverse workforce um, internally as well. Okay, amazing. So is there anything that you're, I guess, working on currently to, to really bring that to the forefront? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that's really important is leadership, inclusive leadership. And making sure that we're, we're doing a lot of training on um, our leader population on the value of inclusive leadership. And we call it leading with purpose because it all starts with connecting with your own personal purpose and then seeing how your own personal purpose connects with the company's purpose and therefore how you become the most inclusive leader for you and your team in, in the business. And creating it all starts with creating an inclusive culture and therefore we can then also support from there um, diverse hiring practices and making sure that we are supporting our top talent, particularly from a female perspective, to be supported and mentored through to have belief that they can reach top positions. Because my view is that a lot of um, female traits is confidence and people, really talented females can tend to self-select what they believe is possible and have kind of limiting beliefs about how far they really feel that they can drive their career and juggle family and other expectations on them. So the role of um, mentoring and female role modelling and really um, driving belief in what's possible for female careers, I think is really critical and at the heart of the strategy. Definitely. I think that leads really nicely onto what I wanted to ask you next, Michelle. So the government recently announced a five-year review to monitor women's representation in FTSE companies. And I guess just reflecting on that, do you think more could be done to boost this representation in the workplace and in particular board level? Yeah, I think so. I think there isn't the natural starting point that women aspire to board level positions or even believe it's possible. So I think it has to be done by action, demonstration, appointments and clear role modelling by businesses uh, to take some big bets on significant um, appointments on, on the boards. And then I also think there's um, much more that needs to be done in building pipeline talent to board positions, building awareness and interest in female talent into how they can get onto board positions, what skills they would need, and just really um, making sure that the, the route to board positions is clearer and more attainable for that female talent. Definitely, definitely. And it's it's quite an interesting one, isn't it, how it has, I guess, progressed over the last few years. But there seems that there still needs to be quite a lot of work to be done in, in that regard. Yeah, definitely. I think it's clearer how people get into senior top leadership teams. And I think a lot of focus has been put on there in terms of diversity and the leaderships running the, the companies. But I think board level appointments is now a, a next challenge and some significant focus I think needs to be put into diversity of boards and making sure there's female rep representation on the on those most important boards. 
Absolutely. And actually, I wanted to just get your thoughts on this as well. So a recent study found that 78% of respondents consider DEI as a priority at board level. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, how or why should DNI be embedded in every people agenda with that in mind? Yeah, I mean, look, if, you, if you're providing business tools, support services, in our case with Avon, it's it's product as well as an earnings opportunity. You need to appeal to a diverse customer base and you need to appeal to a diverse um, associate employee base and we just won't be putting the rep, the tools and the best solutions for our business unless we have that level of diversity and that inclusive culture in order to create the very best ideas. I mean, you can't have a culture of innovation and be speed, speedy and agile um, and respond to external market conditions if our people aren't at their best. And for our people to be at their very, very best there needs to be an environment that's psychologically safe and people feel that they can be their very best selves at work. You know, I talk about bring your whole self to work. You can only really bring your whole self to work and be bold and your most innovative, creative best when the organisation embraces that, embraces the difference, embraces the diversity that different thoughts and opinions bring. And I think that creates a culture of innovation, change and success. Brilliant. And um, moving on now, I think we're going to just discuss the how, how Avon is championing environmental ethics. But we're going to discuss that just after a very, very quick ad break. So we'll be back with you in just a few seconds. Hi there, it's Ben Miller here reporting for Reward Strategy. I want to let you know the Reward and Payroll Summit is coming around quick. 250 plus delegates and sponsors will be gathering on the 7th of December at the London Hilton Bank site to discuss pay strategies, transgender equality policies, non-benefits benefits, mental health, furlough audits, and more. We have some fantastic speakers from Sony Music Publishing, Coty, Arsenal FC, DHL, and Murphy Group. Find the full agenda online. We hope to see you there, but for now, let's get back to listening to Friends in Benefits. And we're back from that very quick break. And as I mentioned, we're going to be discussing environmental ethics. Now, as a beauty company, I imagine that must be quite a big priority for you. I wanted to find out what Avon is doing in this regard. Yeah, so as part of our purpose, it's not just about the people aspect of purpose in terms of female empowerment and what we do for charities. It's about Planet as well. Planet is right at the heart of um, our commitments. And we have committed to a journey to 2030 to be net zero on carbon emissions um, and have 100% of reusable, recyclable or composable packaging, um, as well as zero waste to landfill by 2025. So we've made some bold external commitments and we're driving those strongly internally as well and making sure we've got really strong KPIs, commitment from leadership and are really driving against the um, planet aspect of our balanced scorecard. So really, really critical to us. And being part of the Natura and Co group um, has really amplified that aspect of Avon's purpose, actually, because Natura and Co um, really stand for this aspect of purpose um, in everything that they do and their commitments to life. Brilliant. So it's it's quite a, a nice sort of partnership in that sense then between Avon and the other company in that sense. Yeah, absolutely. So Avon is owned by Natura and Co. And talking about a typical week, what's really exciting for me this week, I'm doing something less typical. I'm going to the Science Museum because Natura and Co are hosting 
a photography display called Amazonia. So uh, really celebrating the indigenous population in the Amazon and just showing the beauty of the rainforest in the Amazon and the importance of the protection that's needed as part of the uh, COP26 um, support this week. So Natura and Co are actually up in Glasgow. Our chairman is up there and are very actively having a voice at the table in terms of um, commitments on climate. So I'm super proud that Avon is part of the Natura and Co group and has a more activist stand in this uh, area, really critical environmental and climate protection area. That's fantastic. Yeah, as you say, like working alongside Natura in that sense then is is really beneficial for everyone involved, especially, I guess, with COP um, being so current at the moment. And it's, you know, it's really making waves and, and trying to get people to... I guess act in in a in a positive way regards the environment. So it's exciting to to hear you are you're working on that, and I'm sure there'll be lots more to come in that sense then from you all. Exactly, and going beyond words into committed actions and progress against them. I think that's the critical piece, right? Definitely, I think that's so true. And then I guess just just staying on this subject, what advice would you offer other HR leaders when it comes to tackling things like the climate change, and I guess just being environmentally friendly? I think the biggest advice is to put some skin in the game, right? Like we've just talked, it can't just be words. It has to be action and there has to be consequences. So set those goals and set them externally. If you make bold external commitments, you then have to drive against it and you drive real action. And from an HR professional's perspective, it can be super um, beneficial for engagement. People are really proud to work for an organisation that takes a stand on environmental issues and has purpose right at its heart. And then from a reward perspective, very specifically, um, that's the skin in the game piece. So even though we have longer term goals, our annual bonus scorecard metric will measure us against these purpose measures on environment and also our engagement of our people. So we have these measures that actually then ladder up to financial reward. So the link has to come back to people uh, and there has to be consequences and uh, a reward of driving against these um, goals to, to make them real. Absolutely. And leaning on that, where you just mentioned there in terms of the employees, do you offer any employee benefits to support alongside climate change, environmental aspects and that sort of thing? Yeah, we're putting that lens on um, a lot of our employee benefits and policies currently. So one of the areas that we're making some significant progress, uh, and you can imagine the complexity, we have 35 markets across the world, but we're looking at our car policy and how we can change that um, into being much more environmentally friendly. And we're moving towards a green allowance, so away from providing cars to a more sustainable way of providing a benefit to employees that can be used for commuting and and different ways rather than just kind of uh, providing a car is is one example. And where we do need to perhaps provide a car for a job needs basis, making sure that there's very strong environmental considerations to the cars that that are provided for that for that reason. So that would be an example of some of the things that we're doing as well as having that lens on our travel policy. Uh, We've learned so much, haven't we, during COVID about how um, we can 
globally collaborate without having to use the um, carbon footprint of jumping on a plane at every opportunity. So we are having an environmental lens on our go forward travel policy as well to make sure that we're, we're very mindful of the impact on our environment as the world opens up again and we start to travel a little more. Brilliant. That sounds fantastic. And I think, as you say there, the pandemic has has kind of shone a light on that. So I'm hopeful that I think more more businesses will follow suit and really put this at the top of their people agenda going forwards, which is which is fantastic and exciting to see. Definitely. Yeah, it needs us all to act. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, just just staying on the benefits sort of topic there. You must, I mean, with Avon, like you say, you've got different markets, you've got people working in offices, you've obviously got your reps as well who are out and about. So how do you manage offering universal benefits? So things that everyone at Avon can access? Yeah, so like you say, we have a lot of complexity. We have 35 different countries and we have employees who work in warehouses, in factories, employees who are out um, recruiting representatives in sales So we actually don't have a one size fits all. We have a principle of approach um, that is to make sure that benefits offerings are in line with market norms. And we have a a minimum expectation of that in terms of some of the medical, healthcare um, and insured benefits. So they would always be provided in terms of um, market norms to make sure that they are um, consistent with what's norm within the country. And then we would allow some local flexibility to take advantage of things that can be done on more country-specific basis. So we have some quite more creative, flexible benefit offerings in the UK, for example, where people can choose to purchase dental, extra dental care, or the cycle-to-work scheme or will writing, etc. So we would have, as I say, a base level of global benefits that provide that medical and family support to associates and then some local nuances um, and local creativity for um, countries where, where there's more specific market norms. Okay, fantastic. So there's quite a lot that everyone can access and enjoy. But it's like you say, it's tricky as well, because you've got so many different employees in different parts of the business. Yes. So it would be a, it would be a local led lens in terms of what's appropriate. I mean, what what an associate might need in Philippines would be very different to China, to South Africa, to UK. You know, the healthcare systems are different, different benefits are valued by the population. So we have to do things in line with the market norms and the country norms. However, using the lens of that minimum standard of care that we would expect on some of those um, support benefits. Absolutely. That sounds fantastic. And then just talking about Avon, I guess, life at Avon in general, everyone has had to evolve and adapt since the pandemic. So I wanted to find out if there are any new ways of working Avon has adopted since. Yeah, I mean, certainly we've um, really benefited from cross-country collaboration. So the coming together less face-to-face, I think, has made a level playing field. It's so much easier to get people together for 30 minutes on a global call and using the technology to connect so I'd say in some ways we've collaborated more uh, connected more and our global connection has been stronger really regular webcast really regular communication and I feel that we've strengthened our global community that said I think what then we need to really work out now is the face-to-face local connection Because that coming together face to face, we're a relationship business, right? At the heart of the Avon proposition 
is um, trust advocacy on beauty products through the trusted representative that you want to work with. And that's replicated in our internal culture as well. We're a relationship-driven culture. So we need to come together to celebrate, collaborate, innovate. So we now are wanting to get people back into the workplace in a balanced way, using hybrid working, and in a way that respects trust, common sense, and within teams, but we do want to start to come together a little more face-to-face to recharge the energy um, and the relationships and build the relationships, but balance that with everything that we've learned that can work really well through remote working. Absolutely. It's all about that balance, like you said, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And trust, right? I, if I was to sit at the, in the top of HR and write a policy on how many days everyone had to be back in the office and how many days people had to do uh, particular activities with their teams, it would not work for anybody because one size doesn't fit all. We have to empower our teams, trust our people to find the right way that works for them and delivers um, for them to be at the very best, but also delivers what their teams and the business need. Uh, and it's within teams that, th- that our teams can be empowered to figure out how this can work in the very best way to get all that is we've learned out of um, remote working to come together with everything that we need to energise ourselves from face to face. Absolutely. I think you've hit the nail on the head there, definitely, with that. And then moving into 2022, where do you see Avon heading? Yeah, I mean, we're excited, really excited about 2022. I mean, Avon's model's more relevant than ever. We provide flexible earnings opportunities for our uh, Avon representatives and the opportunity to sell through trusted relationships. We're seeing so much of that, aren't we? Online advocacy, um, other companies wanting to use kind of influencers to uh, advocate their brand and to recommend their brand through trust to friends and family. I mean, that's been the heart of our proposition for 135 years. So I think we're more relevant than ever. And I think as pe- as people come through the um, the COVID environment and wanting to come out more uh, and invest in beauty, having the confidence in the beauty market to invest in their look, their lipstick, their fragrances to get more consumer confidence in beauty. We, we really think that's looking more optimistic for 2022. And it all being enabled through digital, we know we have to um, have some reappraisal of our brand and contemporize and modernize the experience. And we've got some really exciting use of digital and technology in our business model to enable that with our representatives. So excited about what 2022 can bring. We have to remain agile and I think there'll be some more challenges along the way as we've dealt with COVID. We had um, a cyber incident also in Avon that we dealt with during that time and it's made us more resilient than ever. And uh, we're excited about our plans for 2022. For sure. It sounds like you're heading in that right direction. And like you say, you're being agile and and you're learning from things that have happened in the past. So it sounds like 2022 would be very exciting indeed for the brand. Exactly. And um, a a really exciting proposition as we take our business model and our brand and some exciting product innovation as well into 2022. Absolutely. And in terms of that sort of insight, just reflecting there, are there any pieces of advice you'd offer other HR leaders as we move forward? I know you mentioned agility there. Is that something you'd kind of consider? Yeah, I mean, I think my main advice would be to HR leaders is when we talk about agility, um, we talk a lot in HR, don't we, about the need for tech enablers, digital enablers, and really making the employee experience really simple and agile. And I think that's really, really super important, but not at the expense of the human 
connection. So for me, one of the biggest challenges is how can we embrace everything in technology as an HR professional to enhance that employee experience whilst also dialing up the human connection with our workforce because the emotional connection with the business and the sense of belonging is more important than it's ever been. So we can't do this sort of digital transformation at the expense of the personal and human connection. So the challenge for us in HR as HR professionals is how do we have both? How can that be an and-and dynamic and not an either-or dynamic? So that that would be um, the, my biggest advice. Okay, brilliant. That's quite interesting, definitely. And um, I'm sure we'll pro- provide food for thought for many people listening, if I can get my words out there, sorry. <laughs> and something that I just want to finish on, Michelle, before we wrap up, is just to ask you what you'd be doing if you weren't in the HR profession. <laughs> well, funny enough, when I was a child... And even a teenager, I always wanted to be a a marine biologist. So maybe I'd be sat on a a desert island somewhere um, as a marine biologist, watching the behavior of dolphins in the wild. That's maybe what I would be doing in a different life. That sounds pretty dreamy to me. (laughs) Watching dolphins. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, that is about all we've got time for, Michelle. I just want to say thank you one more time for joining me on the latest podcast today. Thank you so much, Jade, for your time. It's been a true pleasure fantastic now i just want to say remember we'll be back with another friends in benefits very soon in the meantime don't forget to check out the latest issue of reward strategy magazine hope is ahead where we hear from pay hr and reward leaders on their hopes for 2022 thank you for listening